Good morning, Northwoods. We are so glad that you are here with us this Sunday morning. My name is Kayla. And I'm Hope, and like Kayla said, we're so glad that you are hanging out with us today. And hey, if it's your first time here, First of all, we just want to give you a special shout out, a special welcome, and we have something just for you. We would love to meet you, help you get connected with a pastor, one of our staff members here, so that you can just ask any questions you might have and get to know more about Northwoods. So a way that you can do that is simply by texting new to the number that's going to pop up on your screen, and that will put you in a direct text conversation with someone who would love to get to know you today. That's right. And for those of you who've been around Northwoods for a little while, maybe you call Northwoods your home church, you know the connection card, right? That is through the mobile app on your phone. Doesn't matter if you're Apple or Android, it works. And so we just want to know that you're here and it's a place you can put prayer requests. And also it's a place you can ask any questions about maybe some some announcements that you hear later in the service. And so it's just another point of like, maybe you need more information or need a place to connect or don't know where to ask a question, drop it in that box. It's for you. Yeah, absolutely. And actually one of the things that you can get more information about in the connection card is our Setting Captives free conference that's coming up soon here in February. And that conference is really for anybody who wants to kind of dive deeper into freedom ministry. So what do we mean by that? Well, we offer deliverance ministry here where you can find freedom for any life controlling issues in your life or maybe just like habits, things that like seem just really hard for you to break. Deliverance ministry can be a great option for you. And this class is actually going to train and equip you to know what it what does it look like to do deliverance ministry. Yeah. So you're going to get the theological foundation for deliverance yeah. and then practical tools of how that can play out in your life. And truthfully, even if you are maybe interested in serving on that prayer team, this would be the training grounds for you to get started in that area too. Yeah, it's just a great way to just walk through all the details of freedom and deliverance ministry right there one weekend. Just, I've done it before. It's a great, it's a (laughs) great training and would really recommend if that's something you're interested in to take the next step and be involved in that. And one other thing that I love being involved (laughs) in that's coming up in March is our Parenting Plus Conference. Now, I know there are a ton of you who have been involved in this before, who've participated and, and we just love it every single year. We have so many gifted teachers and speakers and parents who want to pass on what they know about parenting to our congregation. So we're going to be talking about how to pray with your kids, how to pray for your kids, how to help your kid when they're dealing with anxiety, you know, how to come together as um, husband and wife and make decisions that impact your kids, even maybe when you don't see eye to eye. So just a lot of great content that's all centered around being parents. And so if you're a parent, then this is for you. It's for, you know, people with kids who are real little to grown up or maybe getting ready for college or post high school, all of that and everything in between. So I would encourage you to check it out and get registered for that for March 25th. Yeah, it's going to be really awesome. I know we're expecting our first baby, and so we're considering even going to just get a head start on all of the information because I know that I feel clueless, and I hear that even when you have a kid, sometimes you still (laughs) feel clueless. So this is a great opportunity. And also, I would just encourage you, I think we all probably have 
parents in our lives, right? People who are taking care of kids and students. And so go ahead and pass on an invitation to someone to this conference. Cause I think what, it's only like $10. Yeah. $10. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's again, super inexpensive, but also lots of really great practical advice for parenting. Yeah. And so. you know what? One more thing. It's not, <laughs> you know, I think one of the other great things about it is that parenting is a universal thing, right? You don't have to be a Christian to be a parent. And yep. so it is going to be great advice and wisdom and teaching yeah. on just general parenting. So maybe even someone who's never been to church yeah. before, this would be a great opportunity to invite them and have them get a taste yeah. of what Northwoods is all about. For sure. Yeah. So we are going to jump into worship here pretty soon. I'm excited to serve on the worship team this weekend. But before we do that, I want to encourage you two things. First of all, make sure that we know that you're here, right? Church is a community. It's a place for you to meet other people and connect with others on Sundays, right? We come to learn. We come yeah. to worship, but also we come to connect. So be sure that you say hi in the chat this morning. And if you have anything that you need prayer for, our prayer team is standing by the entire service. Click that request prayer button and somebody would love to pray for you. So again, we are ready to jump into worship. We're right. so glad that you're here. Let's get ready to worship together. Hey, good morning, Northwoods. We're so glad that you're here today. Why don't you get up on your feet? Let's worship together this morning.
2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, once I get it up here in one second, sorry. (laughs) It says, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. You know, just a few verses prior to all this, Paul, as he's writing in this letter to the church of Corinth, he talks about how it used to be that people would put these veils over the heart. They were so caught up on doing the right thing or saying the right thing or doing the right traditions that, that they totally missed the fact that the Lord has invited us into a relationship with himself. But as Paul says in his warning to the church of Corinth, he says, it doesn't have to be that way. As we look on his face, the veil is removed because of what he's done on the cross. And I want to tell you this morning when we, we sing songs like this, you know, we, we come together, we find our same seat every week. It's not just about tradition or doing the right thing or wearing the right clothes or wearing the right shoes. All that stuff is great, but that's not what any of this is about. That used to be this type of thinking that was involved, but, but now it's so much more, as Paul tells us here. As we look to his face, because of what he's done on the cross, we are invited into a relationship with him. The veil has been removed. And what I love when we sing songs like what we just did, singing of his faithfulness, it reminds us not just of, of what he's done, but it reminds us of who he is. Our God is faithful. Our God is true. Our God is good. And the thing about that is God is, he's the definition of goodness. He can't conflict with that because he is the definition of it himself. And as we get to sing these songs this morning, because we get to look on his face, we aren't moving from disappointment but to disappointment, but we're moving from glory to glory. This is our song. This is our history. It's our story. Remember those walls that we called sin and shame They were like prisons that we couldn't escape But He came and He rose And He rose Those walls are up now Remember those giants we called death and grave They were like mountains that stood in our way But He came and He died and He rose Those giants are dead now This is our God, this is who He is He loves us This is our God, this is what He does He saves us He brought the cross
to you and you accept us with open arms that you pull us in you pour your grace and your mercy over us and we don't deserve it Lord thank you for your love that you pour out on each and every one of us and Lord I pray Holy Spirit that you would be in this place Lord that we would hear your voice that we would hear you drawing us to you for that freedom that we can get only in you Lord thank you Thank you for this day. Thank you that we can worship together. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, as you take your seats, take a moment to welcome those around you to Northwoods. Well, welcome. My name is Janine, and we are so glad that you chose to spend part of your weekend with us. If you are new to Northwoods, whether you are visiting with a guest of someone or you're just checking us out for the first time on your own, we would love to meet you. You can text the word new to the number on your screen and someone will reach out to you later this week. Now, if you're on campus, we'd love for you to stop by one of our new here kiosks that are located in the lobby. We have volunteers there who would love to meet you and answer any questions that you may have. Now, for everyone else, Now's the time, go ahead and open your Northwoods mobile app and fill out the connection card. While you're in there, let us know you're here today and let us know how we can be praying for you. This is also a great place to get more information about everything you're gonna hear me talk about this morning and so much more. One of those things is our marriage classes. You know, if you're married, whether you are a newlywed or you've been married for decades or you've been married for over half a century, you know that marriage is hard work and it takes constant dedication to keep it healthy. And that's why we have a couple of opportunities where you can gain some of those extra tools that you need to keep your marriage healthy and alive. 
So whether you are knocking it out of the park with your marriage or you are at your wit's end, these classes can help you because you can meet other couples who might be in the same place you are. You can get poured into and you can grow in your relationship together. So check out some of the different classes that are available. Figure out which one works best for you and your marriage and get signed up and get started. Well, another opportunity that's coming up is our Setting Captives Free. Now, this class is only offered once a year, so it's time to jump in. And Pastor Cal is going to be teaching that on February 24th and 25th. That's this coming Friday and Saturday, so there's not a lot of time, so you'll need to get signed up. And in this class, you'll learn how to dive deeper into freedom by learning about our deliverance ministry. So if you have been thinking maybe the Holy Spirit's been calling you to be on our deliverance prayer team, or maybe you are just searching for deeper levels of freedom in your own life, this class will teach you those practical steps and the things that you need to know to get there. So check it out, get signed up, and join us this coming weekend. Now, how many of you guys have been on a Holy Land tour? Couple of you. I had the privilege of going 12 years ago, and today I still see the Bible in a whole new way. It just comes to life completely different for me. And we want to invite you to travel with Pastor Cal on a personal tour of the Holy Land this coming October. Go ahead and check out the screens. that he can forgive your sin and take you to heaven. He wants to set you free now. So you're walking with a heart that's no longer broken. And so now you're not enchained to sin anymore. He read that here. He preached that here, sat down and said, this is fulfilled for you. Is nothing that compares to sitting on the mountainside where Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount or looking out over the Sea of Galilee where he calmed the storm Seeing Golgotha where he died for our sins and the empty tomb where he defeated death, it is a life-changing trip. And we want you to be a part of it. So whether you have been thinking about it and you know you want to go or you've been dreaming about it and you want to know more about it, we want to invite you to an informational meeting that is Sunday, February 26th at 10.30 in the morning. Come and join us, get your questions answered, get starting on, start on what it takes to take this trip in October. You won't regret it. Well, as I said, a reminder that you can find everything you heard me talk about this morning in the Northwoods mobile app. And while you're in there, there's an easy way that's provided for you to give this morning. Now you can also give by texting the number on the screen or dropping your gift in any of the boxes that are located around the building. However you choose to give your gift, we want you to know that it's your giving that fuels all the ministries that happen here at Northwoods, and we're so thankful for your, great, for, for your faithfulness. Oops. Well, you know what? We are excited to hear what Pastor John has for us today, so go ahead and point your attention to the screens. 
Stop praying. A phrase we rarely, if ever, hear. Now, I don't mean to be cavalier. We should be people on our knees. But what happens when God says, stop, please? There's a time for prayer, but also for action. In fact, this is where life gains traction. When we stop using prayer as a cop-out and start acting in faith and step out. God told Moses, stop crying and move ahead. We all know what happened next at the sea they call red. To Joshua, he said, stop lying on your face. Get up and deal with the sin in this place. There's nothing wrong with bowing your head, but first, make sure you're doing what God already said. You see, there's no time for games or for playing when God says, stop praying. Northwoods, great to see all of you. And for those of you joining us online and our Canton campus, want to say welcome to you. Great to have you as we hop into week two of our series. And I want to give you an update uh, on the baby. There's still no baby in the Rickner household. So uh, the due date is tomorrow. So it could be any time now. Actually, uh, yesterday afternoon, my wife thought things were starting to, to happen and then they stopped. So uh, if you see Nathan down here get up and start waving his arms in the middle of the service, that means I'm out, and I'm going to end this thing as fast as possible, all right? So, uh, but no, it's, it's uh, the due date's tomorrow. Who knows when that'll happen, but baby's coming soon, and uh, I did have my brother Nathan lined up to speak today just in case, and so I'm going to move him to, to next Sunday, and I will be sure to share the news with you about what happens uh, in this coming week, so... We're excited in our household and looking forward to um, baby number four. You know, I've heard another pastor say it. I like to say it. I'm not just pro-life. I am prolific. All right. So I'm excited about baby number four. Now, yeah, you know, before we hop into our message time today, I want to take a moment up front here to talk about what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. So in two Sundays, we're going to be starting a new two-week series. It's going to be a two-week series, and I've titled it Tithing Explained. And I know sometimes whenever the church talks about money, you know, we can go, oh, gosh, you know, we would just get a little nervous. Here we go. The church just wants my money. I want you to hear me loud and clear. I'm not doing this series because I have a big ask for your money at the end. That's not what it's about. Okay, I have just found that when it comes to the subject of tithing, giving back to God, that many times there are a lot of questions that we have, such as, you know, are, are Christians obligated to tithe? How much should I be giving? Um, you know, do, do, do Christians just give because they think they'll get something in return? Why do we give? And so, you know, these are the questions that I'm going to explore and hopefully bring some clarity to. So that's in two weeks, and we're gonna kick off that series. But then also I wanna ask again for your help on a series that we're starting post-Easter. I talked about this last week. I mentioned that the week after Easter, we're gonna be starting a series titled, You Asked For It. And the series is unique in that you get to decide what I will preach on in this series. A little scary for me, but hey, I'm here for it. So in order for that to happen, I need your help. And so I wanna ask you, to submit the questions you have about God, uh, the Bible, life, or culture, and you can submit them via text. The number's coming up on the screen here, 309-598-1550. So any question you have about God, the Bible, life, or culture, I wanna ask you to submit it 
to that number. We'll leave that up there for a few moments. And again, the questions are anonymous. It's not like, you know, you're, we're not gonna know who, whose name is with what. You just submit your question. There's no question is a bad question. So for the next three weeks, you'll be able to submit your questions. And if you don't have a question now, I still wanna encourage you, uh, put the number down in your phone. And over the next three weeks, if you have a question, just send it in. We had a lot of questions come in last week. And so I wanted to say, hey, that's great. Just keep them coming. So there'll be three weeks where you'll be able to submit questions, three more weeks. And then after those three weeks, we're gonna to move to a period where you will be able to vote. There'll be, a, there'll be a website that you can go to where you will be able to vote on the top questions that you would like us to preach on, me to preach on in this upcoming series. And so uh, there'll be a period of voting. And then the, uh, the week uh, on Easter Sunday, we will reveal the top five questions and then we'll start the series the following week. So help a brother out, text those questions in. It's gonna be a good series. Now today, we're in week two of our series titled, When to Stop Praying. And if you're just joining us for the first time, or maybe you weren't able to listen last week, I, I wanted to say again, because uh, sometimes when we hear stop praying, you know, we might think, well, hold up, you stop praying, really? Like, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? And so let me just start by saying again that in this series, I am in no way trying to demean or belittle prayer. We place a high value on prayer at this church. It's central to everything that we do. So we should be people of prayer, but what I'm getting at in this series is that there are times when we can use prayer as a substitute for something that God is asking us to do. So for example, I want you to think about uh, the, the political term filibuster, okay? You've seen this term used in the news over the last several months as people have talked about, should we get rid of the filibuster? Should we keep it? And I'm not trying to get into that debate, but let's just get at for a moment, what is a filibuster, okay? A filibuster occurs when a member of Congress tries to keep a bill from being passed by wasting time. And how do they do this? They just get up there and they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk. In fact, I was looking this up this week. In 1935, one senator from Louisiana got up and started reading through his Southern fried oyster recipe read through a bunch of his recipes and went on sharing recipes and talked for over 15 hours. And that's not even the longest. There's someone who talked for almost 23 hours straight. Now listen, I'm gonna do my best to keep it a little bit under that today, okay? I won't go that long. <laughs> but you understand, a filibuster is a delay tactic. And so I think there's a sense in which we can at times use prayer as kind of a spiritual filibuster, a delay tactic, as a substitute for taking action. You see, I think there's a time for asking. We can go to the Lord and we're, we're asking for, Lord, I, I need you to help me in this way. There's a time for asking, but there's also a time for acting. It's a time for asking, but there's also a time for acting. And so there's a sense in which we could say, it's time to stop praying when we're substituting prayer for action. Last week we talked about it's time to stop praying when we're substituting prayer for reconciliation. This week I wanna make it a little more general. It's time to stop praying when we're substituting prayer for action. And we see this idea 
in the story of Moses, the Israelites, and the Red Sea. Very famous story. And we're, gonna, and we're gonna pick it up in Exodus 14. So if you have your Bible this morning and you wanna follow along, that's where we'll be. The verses will also be on the screen. It's right near the front of your Bible. Now, leading up to Exodus 14, if you remember, the Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt over 400 years, and then the Lord sends Moses to free his people. And what's, and what's Moses' famous line? Let my people Go And you know, it's funny, as I, as I think about his famous line, and uh, we're nearing the pregnancy of our fourth child, I was reminded this week that at the birth of our second child, Joanna, uh, when Joanna was born, I was actually slated to preach on Moses, or on, on the life of Moses, right after she was born. Now, I'm one of those guys that after the baby's born, I'm like, let's, let's get out of here, get us home. I don't wanna be in this hospital one more second. I can't handle this plastic couch anymore. Send us home, I'm ready to go. That's me. So I kind of have to, I have to work hard to keep my attitude in check. So Joanna had been born, you know, we're waiting around. And I'm just like, let's get out of here. Come on, I want to go home. And uh, as I'm kind of thinking this way, the nurse comes into the room and she recognized me. She was a Northwoods attender. And she goes, oh, hey, Pastor John. And she said, hey, you know, she said something to the effect of, when are you preaching next and what are you preaching on? And I saw an opportunity to let her know what I wanted to do. And so I said, well, it's funny you asked. I'm actually preaching about Moses. And you want to know what my favorite line is that he says? Let my people go. Let us go. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> and so we had a good laugh and she was good, she was good with it. But you get, this is, this is Moses' line, okay? So he goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no go, brother, not happening. It's so the Lord performs signs and wonders in the form of 10 plagues, you know, he turns the Nile to blood, you know, he, frogs, gnats, locusts, hailstorms. And finally, the Lord strikes down every firstborn in Egypt. Remember this, prompting Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. So where we're going to pick it up, the Israelites have just left Egypt. And now they're on their way. They're on their way to the promised land. And the Lord takes them a very interesting route. He takes them a route that's basically going to dead end them at the Red Sea. So Pharaoh catches wind of their odd route and decides to go after them. So he sends his chariots and armed forces and here they come after Israel. So where we pick it up, Israel now has the Red Sea in front of them and they have the Egyptian army behind them. Okay, they're in the proverbial rock in a hard place. They're in trouble. So I want you to see what Moses says. Such a great leader, Exodus 14, 13 through 14. Moses said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, when he's saying be still, he's not just saying just don't move and we're gonna get into that. But I want you to understand, so Moses sees the situation, right? We need a miracle. So he tells the people, hey, listen, it's gonna be all right. God's got this, don't panic, trust the Lord, but now we still need a miracle. And so it appears, I think this is very interesting, it appears that the next logical thing for Moses to do would be to start praying. Because again, you got the sea in front of you, army behind you, what do you do? Okay, well the logical thing would be, God, we need a miracle, let's pray. Now the scripture doesn't record Moses' prayer but look what the Lord says in the very next verse. It indicates that maybe Moses was praying. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. I think that's so interesting. In other words, this is not a time for some lengthy drawn out prayer. It's a time for action. In essence, God says, I want you to stop praying and I want you to start moving. This is a time for action. You know, I had a friend several years back uh, who, who I, I would talk with and he would tell me that <clears throat> how he would just felt the Lord calling him to serve in, in the church, in the church that he was attending. And so he'd say, I just feel the Lord calling me to serve. And, and every time I'd meet with him, he'd say, yeah, I'm still praying about that. I'm still praying about where he wants me to serve, how he wants me to do that. And uh, for what I know, I mean, this went on for two or three years, like still praying about it, still praying about it, still praying about it. And I finally said like, you know, man, I think it's okay. Like, I think you've prayed about it enough. I think it's okay to just hop in, get your feet wet and get going. Like, I think it'll be okay. And I, but he was hung up on praying about it and he might still be praying about it today. Now, listen, I appreciate his heart for prayer, but there comes a time when God says, I love your heart for prayer but now is the time for action. This is what he says to Moses. Now I get it. There's times when we think the only thing I can do is pray and I get it, it can feel hard to take action at times. It's certainly easier to just kind of stay in your prayer closet and say, oh, I don't wanna go mess with that, Lord, you just take care of it. So if, if action is hard for us sometimes, then really the question becomes, how do we take steps toward becoming a person of action? So I wanna give you an acrostic this morning that spells action. And these help us know how do I take steps towards being not only a person of prayer, but a person who takes action, okay? So, and these all come right out of the story with Moses and the Israelites and the Red Sea. So here's step one. The A is anticipate opposition. Anticipate opposition. So I want you to look back at the story now Anticipate opposition. You look back just a few verses before. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. So here comes Pharaoh's army marching after them. Now, if I was an Israelite, I would have thought like the, the worst is behind us. Like the, you know, the, the, everything that just happened in Egypt, like, man, that was the hard part. Now, like, we're out. Like, the worst is behind us. We left Egypt. We're headed to the promised land. But that's not the case, is it? They're just a few days into their journey, and here comes, here comes Pharaoh's army. They got, they're either ready to take them back to Egypt or they're going to kill them. And, you know, I found that many times when we step out and say, okay, God, I'm, I've been praying about this. I'm going to step out and I'm going to act, that it can be easy as soon as we counter opposition we say, oh, no, 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 God must not be in it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop doing that because if I step out and act, I think it should be easy, right? Like if God, you know, if I feel the Lord sensitive and telling me to do this and I act, it should be easy, right? And so we think as soon as I counter opposition, oh, Lord must not be in it. I'm not doing that anymore. But I want you to, I want you to understand that God never said that it would be easy. He just said, I'll be with you. You know, as Pastor Rick Warren said, there's no such thing as an opportunity without opposition. Chuck Swindoll, I love him. He's a pastor, opposition is to be expected when God's will is carried out. 
Why? Because often opposition is just a part of life, but it's also what God uses to, to strengthen and mature us. You know, I've shared before, uh, studies show that the world has 40 species of flightless birds. And what scientists have found very interesting is that almost half of them live in New Zealand. And the theory has developed, as they've studied this, that the reason there are so many found in New Zealand is because for many years there were no land-based predators living in New Zealand. And because there were no land predators, the birds were never forced to fly. And so you get it, without opposition, they just never flew. And the same's really with us. Without opposition, you will never soar in your faith. And so sometimes God allows opposition to strengthen us and mature us. And so we need to get to the place in our mind that if I'm gonna step out and take action, it's, you know what, I just need to expect, there's gonna be opposition at times and that's okay. That's part of it. That's part of following the Lord. That's part of acting. So I have to get that in my mind. I'm gonna anticipate opposition. That's part of it. Those who take action, they learn to anticipate opposition. So don't bail when you encounter opposition. Okay, so if you're gonna be a person of action, it starts with anticipating opposition. Here's step two. You have to change your thinking. This is the C. You have to change your thinking. Okay, look back to the passage. So here come the Egyptians. They're marching after them. And look what the Israelites start saying. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? Would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert. Just think about it. As soon as they encounter opposition, their thinking goes in the tank. Oh my gosh, we should have never left Egypt. We should go back. It's like they forget, hold up, we were slaves in Egypt. We're gonna die out here. I'd rather be a slave in Egypt. Take me back. So they encounter problems, they see opposition, and they automatically go worst case scenario. They get very negative. And here's what I want you to understand. The Israelites, in that moment, they thought the problem was the Egyptians. When in reality, the problem is how they were thinking about the problem. You get it? The problem wasn't the problem. The problem was how they were thinking. And so when you encounter opposition, if you're gonna be a person of action, you have to change the way you think. Now, I've talked about this before, but I believe there is a difference between your brain and your mind, okay? Your brain is the part of you that just gonna respond to the environment around you. So for the Israelites, there's an army coming. They have weapons. Oh my gosh, we're gonna die. For us, it's, you know, what, uh, what if, what, what, oh my gosh, what if prices just go through the roof? Or what if the market collapses? Or I read about a news story this week. What if AI bots take over the world? What if I can't provide for my family? What if I get sick? What if my child gets hurt? Or what if go, they go down the wrong path in life? That's your brain responding to the environment. You know, have you ever been in this place where maybe you start to feel sick and you get on your phone and you Google your symptoms and Google brings up that you have a rare disease that only one in 200 people get and you're gonna die in a week? You ever been there before? 
I, I can get there pretty quick sometimes. Like, I'm, oh my goodness, this doesn't feel right. I, I got a, there's a pain in my chest or, you know, whatever it is, even though I just like worked out and did a bunch of chest workouts, it's like, oh man, maybe that's my heart, not my chest muscles. And so I start looking up things and I have to tell myself sometimes because I can get in the place. The problem right now is not that I have a rare disease. The problem is how I'm thinking. And so I need to focus on my thinking because that's my problem right now. And so you understand, your brain is just gonna respond to your environment. That's a normal thing that's gonna happen. But if you live there, you will get stuck and you will spiral and you will not move forward. That's why you have to get out of your brain and put your mind to work. That means you direct it what to think on. That's why Paul said, finally, brothers and sisters in Philippians, you know this verse, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Notice he didn't say, you know, if anything elicits fear, think about it. If anything makes you anxious, go think about it. If anything will send you in depression, go think about it. No, he said, whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, think about these things. Get out of your brain and start using your mind, directing it what to think on. I have to do that all the time. You know, there's just, just this week, there's many times as, as I'm, uh, for me, preparing a message sometimes where I feel like this is the worst message ever. Like people are just gonna walk out while I'm talking because it's so bad. And I have to realize in those moments, I can get down and be like, this is so bad. And I have to go, hold up, hold up, hold up. The problem is not this, again. I have to direct my thinking. You know what, I'm called, I'm chosen. When I put, when I put what I have in the Lord's hands, just like the, you know, when they brought him the, the loaves and the fish, when you put it in his hands, he multiplies it. And so again, I'm gonna put what I have in your hands, Lord, and I thank you that you're gonna multiply it. And I thank you that you said that your word will not return void. It's gonna accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. So when I get up there, open the word, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna accomplish what you sent it to do. And so it's, again, it's directing your thinking you have to do the same thing. Get out of your brain and start using your mind, directing it what to think on. You know, a practice that I have found is very helpful, I'll even do this sometimes, is when you feel really stuck and like you have no control over your situation. This is just sprawling out of control. I don't have any control over anything. I want you to take a piece of paper, two columns, okay? On, in one column, I want you to write out everything that you have no control over. So for example, let's say that you just feel like, man, I am buried in debt, I'm drowning in debt, I, this is, I'm gonna be stuck this way the rest of my life, I have no control over this, this is how I'm gonna be. You just start writing out all the things you don't control. Okay, I don't control the price of food. I don't control the price of gas. I don't control the price of water. I don't control how much insurance premiums increase. Okay, so you just write down all the things you can't control. And then if you want, take about five to 10 minutes and just freak out about it, okay? Just go ahead and worry about it. Oh my gosh, this is worse than I thought. Oh, spend a few minutes and just go ahead and worry about it. But then say, okay, I'm gonna shift gears now. I'm gonna go to the other column. And I'm gonna write out the things that I can control. I can make a budget. 
I can keep track of my spending. I can eliminate unneeded expenditures. I can turn the heat down and put a sweatshirt on. Come on, somebody, right? I, I, can, I can get bundled up and I can, cry, and I can turn the heat down. And see, in doing that, I want you to understand, you're getting out of your brain and into your mind and you're directing it what to think on. The problem oftentimes is not the problem. Many times the problem is how we're thinking about what's in front of us. So if you wanna be a person of action, you gotta not only anticipate opposition, but you have to change your thinking. Direct your mind what to think on, okay? So there's the, there's the A, anticipate opposition. Change your thinking, there's the C. Here's step three. Take your fear to God. Take your fear to God. Look back at the passage. So they encounter opposition. Their thinking goes in the tank. This is why we gotta change our thinking. But then we read this earlier. Moses says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You're gonna see the deliverance of the Lord. So I want you to understand, we know that stepping out into action can be fearful. And that's why Moses had to say, fear not. Well, how do you fear not? You recognize that fear is a normal part of taking action sometimes, but then instead of letting it paralyze you, you bring it to the Lord. Now let me clarify here, because I know you're saying, well, I thought you said to stop praying, because this sounds like now we're praying. Well, I did, but I want you to hear me, because in doing so, I'm not saying there isn't a place for prayer in action. Because here you will use prayer as the counterpart to your action. What I'm saying is it's not to be the substitute for action. So if you're substituting prayer for action, then go ahead and quit, stop. But once you step out, okay, yes, prayer can be the counterpart, but it's never to be the substitute. Take the place of you acting. So you say, God, I'm scared, but you know what? I'm gonna acknowledge my fear, but I'm gonna trust you. I cast my cares and my worries on you. Fear is a natural response, but it doesn't have to be paralyzing. You bring it to the Lord. Okay, so you anticipate opposition, change your thinking, take your fear to the Lord because there will be fear at times, but you've gotta keep moving. And then here's step four. Identify the next move. Identify the next move. Look what the Lord says next. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move. Move. Stop praying, start moving. But here's my question. How do you start moving when there's a sea in front of you and an army behind you? I mean, it looks like they have nothing to do but pray. You ever heard, sometimes we'll use this term, you know, the only thing we can do now is just pray. You've heard people say this before. I've said this before. Now, there might be some circumstances where the only thing we can do is pray. But I think it's not every circumstance because many times there's, there's still more we can do than pray. Yes, we should pray, but many times we use it as a kappa to say, well, the only thing I can do is pray. Well, hold up. No, there might be some things that you can also do as you're praying. So, yes, we can pray, but I think in this situation, they can also prepare. I want you to think about the Israelites. It says in Exodus that when they left Egypt, there were over 600,000 men. 
600,000 men, not including women and children. So historians, scholars would agree that if we were to just kind of say that, that a rough estimate, a pretty safe estimate would be that there were around 2 million people who left Egypt, okay? That's a large number of people. We're talking about the population of the city of Houston. That's Chicago. We got 2 million people all sitting here and God says, tell them to move. Well, what does that mean? Well, if they're gonna move, the question is, okay, what are they gonna have to do to move? Well, they're gonna have to prepare to break camp. So start rounding up your livestock, get your kids, pack up your belongings, get prepared to depart. This, that's gonna take several hours. It's not like he just had five people with him and said, all right, get prepared. It's two million people, get prepared. We're about to go through, you need to go use the restroom, do it now, where's the restroom? I don't know, find a hole somewhere, right? You ever get ready to go on a trip with your kids? We do this every time with our kids. Before we get in the car, go use the bathroom. Because as soon as we get in the car, I gotta go to the bathroom. Nope, use it now, let's prepare to go. So they're preparing to go. You see, there were some moves they could make. It's not like, well, we can't do anything. No, you can do some things. Get prepared. There were some moves they could make. So when it feels like all I can do is pray, that might be the case, but I, I think you need to stop and identify. We need to stop and identify. Is there any other move I can make? What are the things that I can do? Let's say you're praying that God would help you to land a job. Okay, you can pray about that, that's good. But again, the job ain't gonna just show up on your doorstep. What are the moves you can make? I can get my resume polished up. I can start submitting applications. I can go to interviews. These are things you can do. Let's say, like we said, you're asking God to help you get out of debt. What can I do? I can get the calculator out, set the budget, put together a plan for eliminating debt. I can start brown bagging it for lunch instead of going out. Don't sit around waiting for Russian hackers to get a hold of the Visa computers and settle all accounts. No, I'm gonna act, I'm gonna move. Maybe you're asking God to help you lose some weight, right? You can't just sit on the couch and say, oh God, help me lose weight. You literally have to move, right? And don't move towards the Girl Scout cookie table at Walmart. Man, I'm telling you what, I've been, oh man, those have been hard for me. Peanut butter patties, thin mints, holy cow. But move, get a plan, start knocking out some push-ups, sit-ups, literally move. So I want you to understand, God told them to move. So if you're gonna pray for a miracle, like they were, don't fail to make a move. When you move, you actually pave the way for the miracle. You don't make the miracle happen, God does that. But it's often that he brings the miracle only after we move, you get it? Move comes before miracle. The Red Sea is gonna part, but before the Red Sea, is, Red sea is parted, the miracle happens, he said move. So don't pray for a miracle and fail to make a move. See, God often does the super after we do the natural. God often does the extra after we do the ordinary. So identify what is my next move. Next move 
do it, okay? So I'm gonna anticipate opposition. I'm gonna change my thinking. Uh, uh, I'm gonna take my fear to God. I'm gonna identify the next move. And then step five, here's the O. You're gonna open your ears. Just look at what happens next. The Lord speaks to Moses and says, here's what I want you to do. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. So again, I want you to notice this. I think the order is is very interesting. First they move, then God speaks, here's what you're gonna do. I think often we think it's the other way around. We say, okay, I'm gonna sit here and God, my ears are open and when I hear from you, then I'm gonna move. And I think sometimes that's backwards because I think God says, hold up, no, I want you to start moving and as you move, keep your ears open because as you're moving, I'll reveal more. So often when, when we're stuck and there's no action, it's because, well, I'm just waiting here for God to tell me what to do next. Nope, I'm gonna start moving with, with the things that I know, start moving towards this. And you know what? It's often as we start moving that God reveals more. It's like, for example, if you're thinking about uh, what, what college should I go to? I don't know. Well, I'm gonna wait here until I hear from the Lord. You might be waiting a long time. Not, not that he can't speak to you exactly about what college to go to, but I just found in my own experience that I had to say, you know what? I feel like in my heart that I, I'm, I'm being, I, I feel led towards this one. I don't have a like 100% clear answer. I'm really about 55% sure. And so I'm gonna start moving. And as I do, you know what? I'm gonna trust that the Lord will make my path straight. And he does. Many times you think I gotta be 100% clear before I move. I think most of the time it's about 55% clear. And we move and God reveals more as we do. So as you start moving, remember, I'm gonna keep my ears open because God's gonna speak as I move. So open your ears, okay? And then here's step six. Here's the end. Nurture your faith. Nurture your faith. How do we do this? Well, this just comes down to as we move and as we hear, we act on what we hear. I'll skip ahead a couple verses here. This is, says, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind and turned it into a dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left. So you get Moses acts on what he hears. He responds. God says, I want you to stretch your hand and your staff over the water. He goes and does it. And then the people respond by walking down into the sea with walls of water on each side. I want you to think about this. You know, some some historians believe we don't know exactly where they crossed, but there's some who believe that where they crossed, that it would have descended to a depth of 2,500 feet below the water, okay? Just think about walking into that. It says there were walls of water on their right and their left. I, if I'm seeing that, I'm like, I don't know if I'm about to walk down in there. Like as you're walking through, you're like, um, at any time, if these walls come down, it's all over. Like, Lord, I'm trusting you to hold these walls of water up. You're down deep in there. It's like, it's all over if this thing comes crashing down. But they responded. 
And I want you to understand that as they did, what were they doing? Well, they're nurturing their faith. How so? Because it's only when we take a risk that we learn God can be trusted. I have to take a risk. And when I do that, I learn, okay, I can trust God that he's gonna see me through. You know, a few months back, I was downtown with my daughters. We were going to swim lessons. And part of their swim lessons were at the end, all the kids would line up and they'd have to get on the edge of the pool and they would jump off into the deep end and have to tread water by themselves. And so all the kids go, boom, jump in, tread water. Okay, next one, boom. And then it gets to the end of the line and there's this kid, he's the tallest kid in the class. He would get up there and he, and he did this. I mean, it went on for about five, 10 minutes. He'd get there and he'd go, okay. Everyone's cheering him on and, and then he'd pull, Oh, okay. He'd just stuff, just the goggles, you know, tie his shorts again. He would just sit there. I'm like sitting there, bless this kid's heart. Like, man. Uh, and again, I, I fell for him because that was me. I used to be really scared of water as a kid. But like he finally got to the place where he was just like, and he just like fell into the water. <laughs> but after he did that one time, you could tell he was a little bit scared, but he started treading water and, and then the instructor's right there. And after that first time he recognized, oh, okay, all right. Even if I struggle to tread water, the instructor's gonna be right here. I can trust her. So you know what? The next time he gets up there, and again, it wasn't that he immediately went, but this time it was after like just one of these he went. And the more he did it, you watch as the class progressed, it was like, okay, I can do this. This is getting easier, why? Because I've taken a step and I know that I can trust that the person there in the water, the instructor, is going to catch me. It's going to be okay. And it's the same with us, that when you take a risk, that's often us sometimes. You feel God telling us to take a risk, and we're like, all right, I'm going to jump. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, but after you jump and you go with the Lord, you find that when you take a risk with God, that he's going to be there with you, that he, he becomes real to you. So in essence, I want you to get every time you step out, what are you doing? You're nurturing your faith because you're teaching yourself God can be trusted. God can be trusted. So how do I become a person of action? I have to anticipate opposition. Recognize that when I step out, it's not always gonna be easy, but he'll be with me. I also have to see is I have to change my thinking. As soon as my brain starts responding, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, we're gonna die. You say, hold up. The problem right now is not that I'm gonna die. The problem is how I'm thinking about this. So I'm gonna direct my mind on what to think on. Then I'm gonna take my fear to God. As I feel fear, a natural response, Lord, I give you my fear. Then I'm gonna identify the next move. I'm not gonna sit there and just say, well, the only thing I can do is pray. I'm gonna say, Lord, are there any moves that I need to be making right now as I'm preparing for this miracle? Identify the next move. Then open your ears because as you move, it's gonna to speak to you. And then the end is nurture your faith. You can be a person of action. Prayer is not a substitute for action, but it is to be the counterpart with their action. So as we close, I wanna ask you to stand to your feet. We're gonna pray, close our time out. And as we closed last week, I closed by uh, asking you to ask the Lord a question. And I wanna do the same thing today. And the question is just this. 
Lord, you can just say, Holy Spirit, is there an action that you're calling me to take that I have not stepped out with? Is there any action you're calling me to take that I have not been taking? I encourage you just to get in that place with the Lord right now and ask him that question. What's the action? Is there any action that you've been telling me to take that I have not been doing? Ask him. And if he reveals anything in this moment this morning, you just mark, I'm driving a stake today that no longer am I just gonna sit, but I'm gonna step out. Because if you've told me to, I'm gonna do it. And so Lord, I pray for courage for your people. Lord, I pray if there are places in our lives where, where we have been inactive and you've been telling us to take action, I pray, Lord, that today would be the day where we say no longer. I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna obey the Lord. I'm gonna do what he's asking me to do. Even if I'm not clear on all the details, I'm gonna be a person of action. So Lord, I pray that you give your people courage. I pray you give us all courage to be people of action in all that we do, that we obey you. That's our heart, that we obey whatever you tell us to do. And yes, we are people of prayer, but we're also people of action. And so Lord, I thank you for how you have spoken to you, to us, to our hearts this morning. And we're gonna give you all the praise and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Thank him for what he does every time we gather. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's be people of action this week. Yes, we're people of prayer, but we're people of action. Have a great day. And hey, if you need prayer for anything, we say every week, we would love to pray with you. We have a prayer team down front. Those of you joining us online, great to have you tuning in with us. Love you guys. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be a prayer team there as well. Have a great week. Well, that was such an awesome message. I know it's been great to be challenged and encouraged through this series. And I just, it really makes me think differently, right? Of like, when are those times that I've yeah. substituted praying when I needed to go do something? So yeah. I'm just grateful for that. And hey, you also heard announced this weekend that we have, I know it seems far away, but we have the You Asked For It series coming up after yeah. Easter. It's gonna be awesome. And so if you have ideas of things that you would love to hear, Pastor John teach on, be sure that you text that number on your screen, your questions, your topic ideas. We've been getting those coming in each week, each weekend and we're curating them. And then here in a few weeks, you'll actually be able to go in and vote on which topics you're the most interested in. And again, we will curate that entire series entirely based on questions yeah. that you are asking. So be sure that you take a moment today, this week, as things pop into your mind and text us your ideas. That's right. Just take full advantage of that. I mean, how often do you get to contribute to what the pastor teaches right. about on Sunday? That's awesome. And I just love John's creativity in that. So again, thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend and that you come back as we close the series next week.